more than enough. Ooh. Hello. Hello. What a beautiful can. Bronx Brewery City Island Sour IPA. Gross. Oh yeah, IPA. Everything's an IPA. That's just I know it means something. To the to the actual brewers out there, I was going to say it's just something they throw on a can because people like IPAs, but I know that would piss off a lot of people. You don't know what you're talking about. It's an actual thing. I know it's an it's actual It's an IPA. Thing. It stands for I P A. I know it's an, an actual thing. I just uh, I know. it's marketing because I'm so cynical. I feel like marketing is uh, all a lie. Everything in marketing is a lie. Like Lexus saying, we're not a car company. We're a people company. Oh, fuck you. Well, that's you're correct. You're not from the moment we sold our first car. We realized we're not an auto company. We're a people company. What is it? One, that's an empty statement. That means absolutely nothing at all. It means it means we sell people. If you were a people company, you would be giving the Lexus out to every person. That's, oh, uh, we want to take care of the people. No. Or, yeah, making a Lexus at every price point. Yeah, you target a very specific upper class consumer. We're a people company. Get, you insult me with that. I, Maybe they used to sell peepholes. Don't defend And that's me. what they were saying. I, Look, I know what you're doing. You're trying to be funny to deflect because you don't like this conversation about God the class forbid. system. Yeah, you're a typical comedian, which is uh, you know going to lead us right into what we're going to talk about today. <laughs> Just a typical fucking comedian. Can't hold any serious conversation. Got to get my joke in. Did you, did you know exactly how I was going to react to this type of attitude from you? So you knew that I would come back at you with some kind of joke so that you could lead into yes. sort of uh, prepping for the topic? Yes, I know you well. Wow. You're very predictable. That's all right. Most people are. <laughs> so you didn't know I was going to do that. I'm not predictable. <laughs> I guess you're right. Everyone else is the same as everyone else except for you. I'm the outlier, and that's you know, not, the only not, one. Not everyone can be me. Mm -hmm. People don't know what I'm thinking. I'm a mystery. <laughs> I'm an enigma wrapped in bacon. Isn't that what <laughs> it is? Bacon. Is it? Isn't that what people say? <laughs> yep, that's what people say. He's that's a exactly mystery. Right. He's a mystery wrapped in prosciutto, wrapped in <gasps> bacon, an enigma, enigma in a cellophane package. That's right, with some melted mozzarella. Prosciutto. Eric used that line in uh, the opening of uh, the Driving and Crying doc. What? Something about how they're an enigma wrapped in a mystery in a cardboard box with question marks on it. Oh. <laughs> so, something like that. <laughs> it's like a Riddler's birthday present. Yep. Uh... It's a mystery wrapped in an enigma, wrapped in rice paper, deep fried, you served like, with plum sauce. You like rice paper? I do. It's pretty versatile. Yeah, but it doesn't taste very good. No, nah, sure. It's fine. I mean, it's a vehicle, right? It's a, you put some like sliced up, thinly sliced carrots and cucumbers, some shrimp. 
and some uh, cellophane noodles or so- no, not cellophane noodles. Look here, Ugh, here those you, weird wormy glass noodles. Here you go again, speaking what? in this weird voice because you're putting out uh, you know an actual recipe that maybe you enjoy and you have some knowledge about cooking and there's some kind of fear that if I put this out there and I say it really in a real manner, people are going to use it against me. They're going to make fun of me. Nah, and- I'm a comedian. Yeah, just tell me. I'm a comedian. Tell me about the recipe. I want your authority on the recipe. Grass pepper. You shred some zucchini, maybe some carrots, some cucumber. You cook a shrimp or two. You put it, you roll it up like a little burrito. You dip it in a sauce. You want to know what I made last night? I made a, what? I Tell ma- me what you made, because I do not know. I made a pasta. And I chopped up some onions, and I took apart the bell and mushroom, and I broke it into pieces and put it in with the ground beef. And That's different than what I did. <laughs> That's definitely different. Why don't you just tell me straight up what you made? Because you could make fun of the fact that I put portobello mushroom in my pasta sauce. And I can't handle that kind of criticism from you, person I don't know. So I'm just going to say it in a funny little way. I use ground beef <laughs> and fresh mozzarella. I feel like it's okay to do that. Because I wasn't what? embarrassed. <laughs> mm. You're frightened by the world. No, not. I'll tell you this thing that I really like. And then you'll make fun of it and crush my spirit. I've never made that. So it's not like something I'm protecting. No, that's a gets your grandmama's recipe. <laughs> <laughs> yes, my grandma Vu. Cause she's Vietnamese. <laughs> you gotta protect her recipe. Grandmama. Yeah. No, there's it's not just ever listen, just because you know one thing about me, you can't extrapolate that to everything. In the future forever. I can, for the sake of this. Because, yes, I used to make a weird... I used to talk like Dexter when I wanted something from a boyfriend that that was unable to give it to me. Like, will you come hang out with me in the living room now, please? No. Okay. That's what I used to do. But you saying that (laughs) I was making that weird voice just because of some uh, insecurity is not true. I give away plenty of vulnerability on this show. Do you think that I couldn't give away some weird rice paper thing that I thought about without protecting it? I don't know the reasons behind it. Those are Because yours. I was just being silly. God forbid somebody be silly. Ugh. It means something. I can't stand Everything silliness. Means something. I can't stand. No, most things don't mean anything. Right. In the world. Sure. People look for meaning where it doesn't exist. Correct. Yeah. That's you. <laughs> That's not true. It is in these moments. There's only, I just recognize the moments where it does actually exist. It's like, oh. You, no, no. You're casting a wide net. And I've, I have ensnared you in it. No. It worked. You keep trying to. <laughs> you keep missing. And you escape. And then. You escape like you, the, And then you'll do it. The clever And porpoise. then you'll be right. <laughs> and you'll be like, See? <laughs> the clever porpoise. I always escape your net. <laughs> the clever porpoise. I'll make a porpoise noise. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, you porpoise. You got away again. 
I was I was just setting up the show is all. Mm-hmm. I don't really think that your recipe was something that you were trying to perfect. I was just upsetting the table, setting a tone. Okay. Uh, before we get into it, though, how often do you cut your fingernails? Uh, probably like on average twice a week. Twice a week? Yeah. Wow. My nails grow pretty quickly. I thought mine grew quickly because I just cut them and it seems like I had just cut them. And it's probably yeah. a week ago at this point. But twice a week. I think so. I mean, I believe you. That's just, that's even. But like long, so I, you know what? It might be just. Uh, just under twice a week on average, right? You know what I'm saying? It's like every six days. Yeah, it's, it's like when you get paid every two weeks, every once in a while you have yeah. a month where you get paid three times. Sure, something like that. <laughs> well, that still blows my mind. That's beyond my wildest dreams. I thought my once a week. grow pretty quickly. And they're very strong. They're very, like, white. They look nice. I feel like I've always had nice growing nails, uh, but I don't really like them long, and my nail beds are really short. And you have no cuticles because you ripped your cuticles off? Well, I mean, I do have cuticles. I just like to pick. Pick, 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 pick. I like to pick and it's okay because I'm a strong person. <laughs> Would you please be nice? No. Please be nice to me. Oh, what are you showing me there? That's your new uh, AirPods case case. It, isn't it so cute? Your case it, for the AirPods case. No face case. It's no face from Spirited Away. Huh? No huh? face. Have you seen, have you watched Spirited Away? Yeah. Oh, don't you love it? Yeah, the big creature that everyone likes that they sell the stuffed animals of. What's the main one? Huh? I don't know their names. No, there's no, no, there's like a dragon, but no one's selling that. No, there's talking some, about, you thinking about a different movie, dog. Oh, maybe I am. Maybe I haven't seen Spirited Away. Oh, it's so great. So, if, oh, I if, only know Spirited Away because of your uh, costume. Yeah. From for Dragon, Dragon Con. Con. What's the one I'm thinking of? The one that everyone loves. Are you thinking of that big, like, pear looking guy that's purple or black or something? Probably. I think that's yeah. the one I'm thinking of. What is that yeah. one called? Uh, something like Famous. Something school or something. Famous anime business, characters. Apple business. Goku. Monkey D. Luffy. These are famous anime characters. Vegeta. No, hold on a second. Vegeta. You don't like... <laughs> Vegeta is my favorite. Vegeta. <laughs> Vegeta. Famous anime characters. Big creature. <laughs> I'll figure it out. Oh, it's... uh. It's Mitsu Miyazaki Ponyo. There it is. Ponyo. Looks like a chinchilla, big chinchilla. Totoro. Totoro. Yeah, that's the one. No, I haven't seen Totoro. But I love Spirited Away. So if you want to know, so Greg, 
your me your movies that give you a feeling of i don't know what what do what does her and eternal sunshine of the spotless mind what does that say about you like what what is it about those that well we can get into that in the show i think it could tie in i was thinking about that earlier so i don't want to really? give anything away yeah possibly okay cool my, my dislike of comedians can lead into other reasons there's mm. a path here okay let's do that then <laughs> i don't i don't really know what the topic is like how to present the topic mm-hmm. like what the name of the show would be well it's figured out I mean, you can say what it is in the beginning, and then if it morphs into something else, then we can rename it. The No Name Show. No Name. It was the name of my reading group in first grade, The No Names. I named it. No Name. But I stole the name from a name of a team on Double Dare. They were the No (gasps) Names. So cool. Double Dare. On your marks. Get set. Go! Bow, bow. Are you ready? Isn't that what the... Wait, is that... Not the physical challenge. Here's the physical challenge music. No, yeah, this is it. It's close to the theme. I I did it pretty well. Yeah, I gotta reach up in that nose. Keep building. Uh, can't go any higher. Uh, has to look through the baby pool of baby vomit for the flag. He's got it. Mark so Summers dad. drank too much last night and vomited all over the stage. Dig through it to find <laughs> the flag. <laughs> Bob, our cameraman, has the runs. He's took a dump in a bucket. You're going to have to put that over your head and make your way through the obstacle course on a mini bike. Go! And you win a pair of British Knights. <laughs> Hidden Temple, Temple, Drag, Himple, Temple, what? That one was awful. Am I having a stroke? Yes. Hidden Temple? What's it called? Yeah, something like that. Hidden Temple of the Secret Dragon. No, that's the movie I was just <laughs> <laughs> Hidden Temple. No, temple, hidden, treasure. Legends of the Hidden Temple. Thank you, something like that. With the big talking styrofoam stone face. I loved that show. Me and my dad would watch it. You bother me, I ask you trivia questions. He would always know that uh, they weren't going to win. Because hardly anybody ever won. Nobody won that. Yeah, I feel like twice I saw people win that. Yeah. I mean, like, remember those, like, guys that would be hiding in one part of the obstacle course thing and they'd grab you. <laughs> yeah, if you didn't get all those pendants leading up to it, yeah, where you could buy your freedom, you were screwed. And even if you had all of them to buy your freedom, you ultimately probably wouldn't win. What a scam buy that show was. freedom with your pendants. Refuse me and the stone face will crush you to death. This is the choice. This is the point of shitty prizes. <laughs> a two-night stay in Orlando, Florida. We're already here to film this. I know. That counts as the trip. <laughs> yep. This, this was it. Did we pay for your two nights? You won. <laughs> that was always the worst. It's like, oh, I'm already here. Yeah. Thanks. 
for and nothing. One day, all access pass to Universal Studios and a chance to be on Hidden Temple Dragon. And you won that. So that's it. You're broke even. Welcome to One Topic, where we stick to one topic. My name is Autumn Fisher. My name is Greg Russ. Uh, I think it's my week, although last week was kind of my week. And I presented the topic as though it was my own topic last week, but it was actually your topic, asking me if you were cool. Yeah. I mean, it was my topic. Yeah, but it really was my week. It was your topic. It was my week. I presented it. Yeah, it doesn't matter. I'm taking over this week also. And I don't even know, as I said before, leading up to the official start of the show, I don't know what this week's topic really is. Uh, You know, I wanted to call it something like Greg Hates Comedians, but that's, one, not true. Also, it seems a little too negative. Hmm. And uh, Shocking. I don't necessarily, well, so the point is, I'm not calling it that. I don't know what we're going to call it. It's all based on this conversation that I had with my friend Dave and uh, earlier today. And I mentioned, uh, I saw something, we don't need to get into it, but uh, that that guy, Kumail Nanjiani, Nanjiani tweeted, which mm-hmm. I usually don't like tweets in general. And it was something funny, and I liked him. I like him. I tend to like yeah, him. Yeah, Kumail's awesome. Yeah, he's a funny guy. And then... I said something racist. I said the other guy who looks like him, who people get confused. Him confused. Because he's sorry. Yeah. Can't stand that guy. <laughs> and look, I understand that the comparison of the two, because one, Aziz is Indian and Kumail is Pakistani. Yes. I understand this. Part of me saying that was to sound ignorant. That was part of the thing. It's like, oh yeah, and okay. the other guy who looks like him that everyone likes better. I can't stand that guy. Yeah. Aziz is not a funny guy. Yeah, there have been some parts of his stand-up that I did like, and I did laugh. I thought it was funny. I think about, I still repeat some of those little bits of things, but for some reason, overall, okay, wait. <laughs> well, the, the show doesn't, okay, you can state your case about All right, why. let me just say really quickly, Aziz is a weird animal because <laughs> I loved him on Parks and Rec. I thought he was funny. Um, then when I saw little bits of his stand-up, like I said, there's pieces of it that I still enjoy and think about and laugh about. Um, but then there was that, that rape allegation or sexual assault allegation that came out against him, like during all of the Me Too stuff. And they real like it really, um, tanked him a little bit for a while. I don't think that he really, I mean, he was probably too aggressive and was, you know, gross, but... Um, I don't think that she was, you know, as much of a victim as other people who are true victims. And so anyway, what I'm saying is I, that I didn't really like him as a person. I saw him on some specials, you know, like where he, um, goes to restaurants and eats and he's like a real foodie and stuff. Oh, Kim, who the hell does he think he is? I know. And he also wrote this dating book. He's an authority on, he's an authority on nothing, a master of nothing. Yeah, I really didn't care for him Master uh, of none. He's like, that's his whole off. Hey, look, I'm not saying I'm a, I'm a master of none. See, but I put, present myself as an, one, I'm the, a master of none. The show, the show is not about him, but this was the conversation that got it going. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I said, I can't stand him. Master of none guy. I said, that guy sucks. Mm-hmm. 
probably not remembering his name on purpose to prove some kind of point. It's like, who? Okay. I don't know his name. That could be the most insulting thing you do to a guy like that. It's like, I don't know who you are. What? You don't know who I am. <laughs> then their head okay. explodes. Um, it's not like he had felt that at all. But And then uh, <laughs> and then my friend Dave responds, Aziz Ansari. Yeah, he appeals to idiots, I think. And mm. then he said, although I read a bunch of his book and it was surprisingly funny. See, that's the thing. No, then I said ghostwriter. He didn't write this oh. book. And then Dave said he was in a book club years ago when he was trying to make friends in D.C., a bunch of drunk women and him discussing that book. Hmm. And uh, I said, oh, boy, that guy has fooled the world into thinking he's funny. Meanwhile, Kumail is funny, but he's only kind of known. How pathetic. Uh, and then I said Kumail should have changed his name and made some mainstream jokes and sexually assaulted someone. Then he would be <laughs> in the public eye. <laughs> and then Dave said, the book wasn't really a comedy book. It was like an analysis of modern dating using studies and whatnot. And I said, yeah, yeah, the audacity. Uh, who the fuck does this guy think he is to explain dating to people? And then uh, I said uh, about the sexual harassment or assault, mm. he deserved it. You can see it in his eyes that he thinks no means yes. And he probably has said just for a second on many occasions to women. Not like my sweet Kumail. <laughs> no, Kumail would never do that. So the point is to get us into the show. Dave responded. He's like, you have a real hatred for comedians. Is it because they are openly desperate and they're attention seeking? And they said, you are also an entertainer. You get. (laughs) You get. (laughs) And sure. I mean, I guess I am in a low form of entertainment. I mean, that was a problem with us starting this podcast. No, this idea of of who, who we've covered it so many times. But yeah, who do I think I am to do a podcast and put my thoughts out there as if I have some kind of authority on anything um you know and a lot of these comedians and people in general entertainers they do put themselves out there and people just buy it wholeheartedly like yes yes that person's famous they know what they're talking about i'm gonna listen to every word they have to say and it just proves how ignorant a lot of people are but going back to this point with comedians i do have a real dislike mainly from hanging out with comedians who weren't anyone famous but back when I first moved to New York and Dave was doing stand-up comedy and hanging out with his comedian friends and he would just sit around and they're all trying to one-up each other. It's this desperate grab for mm. attention and a look at me and please accept me and I need to get the laugh and I need to make sure that my laugh is bigger than your laugh. And it really bothers me because there's no ability to having a, having a meaningful, thoughtful conversation. Everything is derailed because these people just constantly need to throw zingers out there and i think one of the problems the main problem i have with why i go after comedians more so than other vapid entertainers is because i feel comedians do have the thoughtfulness and the depth to have the conversations that you want to have and look you humor and comedy it's great and to incorporate that into those conversations that is what i want i don't want this surface level shallow shit And when you try to have a conversation with a lot of these people and it just constantly gets derailed because somebody has some insecurity or anxiety they need to offset at that very moment at the table with four other people, it drives me insane. So, yes, you don't like when you feel a pathology. Exactly. The comedians get a harder treatment from me because I know the substance is there with a lot of you. It is there. Hmm. And the fact that you can't dig into it, 
you can't access it. It right. really, it's a shame because I also, I think it would fortify your art if you were able to get even realer, like going on stage and presenting something embarrassing about yourself to most people seems like a vulnerable act. It's like, ah, <laughs> they just allowed me in a little bit, but this is all distraction and deflection and surface level. Right. I'm going to give you this little bit of sort of uh, intimacy over here so that I don't have to truly let you into my like actual intimacy over here. Which is a shame because I do actually want to know what's going on in a lot of these people's heads. Yeah. And, and look. Well, we say that about, uh, if I can say, I mean, we say that a little bit about Tim Andrews well, on Ron Hessler Doctor. We were going to get into that, this conversation. All right. We're just skipping ahead now. My bad. No, it's all right. Part of the conversation uh, is, I'm looking for this here. Oh, you talked about this with Dave. Yeah, I was still talking about this with Dave. Okay. And it continued on. I said, the shame is that tapping into, you know, the, the deeper, the emotional depth and developing those skills can make them better comedians. Uh, and then I said, that's why I hate impressionists. It's the emptiest form of comedy. You don't even get a glimpse into the soul of the person who decides it's best for them to hide behind impersonations of other people. <laughs> you get nowhere meaningful with them. And then I said, sure, entertainment and comedy can exist solely for entertainment and comedy. I just like mine to carry more emotional weight, I guess. And mm. then I said, impressionists just mock surface level. There's a time and a place for it, but they also usually need to dominate more than others. And it allows for zero exploration of any meaningful topics. I would hate when Frank Caliendo showed up places. I knew there was going to be no conversation I wanted to hear. And people would just say, do Madden, do Bush, tee hee hee hee. I think it's a black hole in impressionists. They aren't even able, or they aren't even themselves a tiny bit in their comedy. <laughs> <laughs> No, I mean, listen, that's a point. And you have a point. Look, some of this sure is skewed because on the Von Hessler doctrine doing the show, Tim, and I know you do impressions and I hope you're, you're not taking offense to it. Um, it is the way the show is set up. It works within that format. Tim mm -hmm. is obviously very talented. You're very talented. I'm not taking that away. My frustration comes from the fact that there are, are opportunities to have meaningful, deeper conversations about things. Right. Things that I would like to get into. Whatever comedy I can offer sometimes takes a little more time to set up or a little more thought. And I right. feel like all of that is just, it's like a, it's a dead end because we go off the rails. No, I, I know some. what you're saying. I, I think with specifically the radio show, what I don't mind that we do go off the rails and don't necessarily get into something uh, with a little bit more meat um, because I think that what we're doing on the show, not me and Tim necessarily, but what the show is for is to entertain and to not be something that you hear, you know, from other talk show hosts where everyone is very serious and this is the end of the world and, or they're just saying things to like outrage people so that they'll listen to get mad, you know, like it's a different, it's a different animal. However, I have no pro, like I don't feel like I do impressions so that I don't have to have intimacy or like um, a connection with people. 
No, and obviously saying that is an umbrella statement, and I don't feel like that exists in you either. You're just but look- there are times like we're talking about, like with Tim Andrews on the show, where he does have a huge wealth of knowledge on history and politics, but I don't think that he always contributes what maybe he could because the more we know about him, the sort of more nervous he is about himself. Well, this is, yeah, this is comedians in general, comedians in general. And this, but this is, this is, you're making the point. And and I feel weird talking about Tim Andrews. He's not on the show and then we're not going to say anything. And I don't, and I'm not shitting on him. And I feel like I would say this to his face. Yeah, I, I don't think there's any shitting on him, but there is no. a depth to him in all there ways, really is. in all different ways, the good, the bad, the dark, the light. And it's interesting. And you don't get to see any of it because it's all blocked. You get out. little teeny little bits of it. Oh, yeah. You get little teeny bits of it when he lashes he out something. at you. Yes. When he lashes out at you as an impression and then says, I'm just doing the joke. And it's like, get the fuck out of here with that. That is not what you're doing. <laughs> you're being a complete asshole right now. And you're using that as a reason to. I don't think he realizes he does it. Well, it happens. I and know it does. Those are the times you get a glimpse. And, you know, anyone listening to this I I mean I've already said it and I think that it's understood yes he is very talented this episode is going to be called Greg hates Tim Andrews it's not true it's (laughs) not true I think Tim thinks that I do hate him because of the way I do talk about impressions and I don't always laugh at things he does Um, but I also just don't laugh that much in general so and he doesn't laugh we made that uh, Beverly Hills Cop thing where you played the Beverly Hills Cop theme and I took Uh a scene from the movie and, you know, added sound effects and my own voice and made this goofy little thing. And, uh, you know, he told me that he liked it, but he wanted to hate it at first because he was jealous that he didn't make it. Yeah. So This is what I mean. There, That <laughs> in its own right there is something that is so deeply rooted. And I think it's interesting that he told you that he wanted to hate. You know what I mean? I think I think it's interesting that he revealed that about himself. That but, makes it even more frustrating. That, I know. That that's what I know. When he doesn't, you know that there's something. There is. It's like, oh yeah, that's cool. And thank you for telling me that. Yeah. And uh, let's. I want to go deeper into that, and then you get nothing. Yeah, and uh, he does little things. And like I said, this is comedians. I think in general, not just this is just we're using him as. An no, no, you because you jumped to impressions. I was like, all right, let's let's yeah. open that floodgate. But yes, <laughs> I think comedians in general. Comedians I, in general will will give you little glimpses. Not, I think maybe. Not every comedian, right? Well, some of them have no glimpses to give, like Dane Cook. Oh, what did that guy just do? I fucked someone last night, and then he would act it out on stage, and people, ah, ha, 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 they would laugh and laugh. He almost turned into a cult, right? There were people who were like true Dane heads. <laughs> what? How did he become famous? It was online, it, right? Was it? I don't, I don't know. I, I heard that he was an asshole when he did Crank Yankers. Oh, I'm sure he was. Yeah, he was like a diva asshole. He's one of these people who got into it for... Okay, well, here's another pussy. thing. What's that? He got into it for pussy. Yeah, probably that. And to look at yeah. me and I need the attention. And I don't know if, you know, he was probably a guy who picked on other people in school. I don't know if he was one of those people who got picked on who had something to prove later on. Uh, 
I think there's a lot of people who's like, I was made fun of and on all the girls rejected me. And it's like, I'll show you. And then he I'm, seemed like a fat kid. Well, maybe it was. I don't know much about his. You know what history. I mean? Like a fat kid that's like, I'm going to revenge fuck instead of being like, I was the fat kid and I got this sense of humor to deal with that. So like they couldn't make fun of me before I made fun of myself. And then like the good part of that story is now I know what it's like to be down and so now I'm cool with everyone because I know it's like or you go the other way where you're like and I'm just going to get my revenge on everybody yeah I'm just guessing he was fat I know we're just assigning <laughs> things to him he uh, wait, looks he looks you know post fat with Cook I think if I if I remember correctly he used MySpace to really become popular he was one of the oh, first yeah. people who just went out there put in the work got as many followers as he could friends and used that to his advantage which you know fine good for him but maybe that's with where, his great work as a t-rex maybe maybe that's where the cultish uh status came from like, yeah, yeah remember the sufi sufi i what is this he created like a hand signal that was like a super high five it was like more than a high five it was like this. It was like something like where you put one of your fingers down. Yeah, it looks like the shocker. Very good. Oh, he yeah. did the, his Sufi. It was like the shocker. <laughs> yeah, something like that. This is, look, this appeals to the lowest common denominator, which apparently there's plenty of lowest common denominators out there. Because I think that he got kids right at the perfect age. They were all in MySpace before, you know, MySpace fell off. It, you were a certain age. He got those people and then they grew up just a little bit more and then they were able to pay to go to those concerts and he and he was it was like it was like kids first comedian and like glimpse into adulthood, you know, and like doing yeah. something and that, that felt look, like grown up. I'm going to take the stool and pretend I'm having sex with it. Oh! Yeah. And then the, the whole arena erupts. The fact that there's an arena that's come out to see yeah. him. And, you know, when we're talking about this he's probably one of the guys i don't know how deep he actually goes but i think his comedy was exactly what he wanted it to be it wasn't lacking because he had an inability to go deeper i don't know how dark or depressed this guy was you know these are stereotypes that are applied to a lot of comedians but there certainly is some kind of mental illness about saying i'm going to go on stage and i want to be the only one up there with nothing but you know the jokes i'm going to tell and i want to control this crowd of people uh, but I also need them to love me. And if they don't love me, I'm really going to hate myself. And if they do love me, it's going to feel good in the moment. But as soon as I'm off the stage, I'm going to hate myself again. And mm, that's what keeps you going. <laughs> yeah. Yes. But is the hatred. A, there is a darkness. Yourself. And I understand a lot of this. And maybe yeah. maybe one of the things that bothers me is, you know, there is a struggle to get through it. There is a curiosity uh, to understand it. And I always felt as though I could use it to my benefit. Like one of the things I always wanted to do was write. And one of the reasons I feel like I haven't written much was because the kind of writing I wanted to do wasn't, I'm just going to, here's a, uh, a horror story. No offense to Stephen King. Like that guy, obviously the best at what he does or one of the best, but that's like strictly just writing a narrative story. I would want to write things that were personal that examine like, the struggles of being alive and all the insecurities and complex thinking and overthinking. And 
you know, I don't ever feel like I was in a good spot to do it because I didn't understand enough probably about myself to actually try to put that stuff down in writing and anything I wanted to do. I think like the, the purpose of it would have been in, been rooted in something like that. Very real human stuff. And, uh, just seeing comedians struggle, many of them, with the same thing. It's like, man, if you really got into that, it would be about the art at that point and not about you. Does that make sense? It does make sense. But can I play devil's advocate? Sure. And say, why is it up to you to determine what has merit? Well, I, it's not up to me to ter- for it's up to me to determine what has merit for me. Okay. What kind of art I, mean, uh, I like to consume? You're putting it on them. You're saying that they don't they're not dealing that certain comedians that bother you aren't dealing with enough uh depth. Well, ultimately, yes, it's not my call. What I'm saying is the ones that I have interacted with and one of the reasons I have not liked interacting with comedians even though in theory, it's like, this would be a group of people I would really fit in with, was because there was an inability to have a meaningful conversation. Okay. And, uh, yes, we're talking about two separate things here. People can do whatever they want on stage, and if there's an audience for it, and they're successful, then... uh, Gabriel Iglesias. What? Whatever. Like, that guy annoys me less, because he also, he's just like, I'm just a guy doing a thing. I don't know how much he actually struggles. I don't really relate to him at all but yeah. you see someone who goes up who's got some dark material and like what is going on there and it's like there's appeal and it's like i yeah. want to like this and then what you want is both you want depth but also surface that can be fine too but if it's coupled with some depth then it's going to keep your interest well what you were saying earlier about the radio show the von hessler doctrine is like we don't have serious i don't want serious conversation having a deeper conversation doesn't mean it has to be a serious conversation it just means requires a little more work to get to where we want to go and it requires the listener to think a little more and to consume people can't do that on radio to consume it in a different they can do it people podcasts people can do it because they're in their earbuds they're right directly into their head it's a whole different thing than someone turning on the radio you know people are listening a bit passively you know people can do it i think in in, in at seven maybe at like you know an eight o'clock show 8 p.m you're not giving people enough credit they can handle it i understand Uh, what you're saying i'm not i'm i think that people can handle it but it's a smaller percentage of people that can or just not able to, you know what I mean? Like you're driving, you've got your kids in the car, you can't pay attention, you've missed something, and now you're like, what are they talking about? I get uh, it. You can pick it back up, though, or you because you're having a conversation where the person needs to be engaged, maybe you actually get them listening on a more deeper level, and then they stick around. You know, the, the thing Eric always says, if, I, if a person got to their destination, I could keep them in a car for a few more minutes so they could hear what we were saying. Yeah. Uh, you know, then I've got them right where I want them, and like, yeah, I think that that's a thing that you can do. Radio, and maybe I'm, you know, I am projecting a lot of my feelings because I got into radio and I had this idea of what I wanted to do on radio. And yeah, a lot of it was stupid. I was still trying to find my way and it wasn't like the deepest stuff. But <laughs> I, I think it could have evolved into something like that. And even if it wasn't so deep, it required, you know, a little more attention from the audience. And there's just this idea in radio overall that comes down from 
management that's uh no 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 it's it's basically saying what you said this this is not the medium for it it's like look at podcasts are doing well people want this content why wouldn't you want to put it out there because podcasts are different than you know over the air radio they are but if you i think that we could keep a a large audience if the von the 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 cast of the von hessler doctrine had an hour podcast where we truly did sit and talk the way that you're thinking about where it gets a little bit more in depth. It does require a bit more attention. I think that that would be as successful as the radio show, but as an on air over the airwaves, nine to noon show, I don't think that people have the capacity or the time to put in, you know, over their car radio. Cause where else are they listening to it? Well, I mean, a maybe lot of people on their are, Alexas, but I don't know. A lot of people are consuming it now as a podcast after. I understand right. what you're saying, that it's broken up because of the commercial breaks, but you can still take the format and yeah. modify it a bit to work. I agree with you in like the perfect world. I think that that would be, that would work. I do think it, cool. I think it could exist. And, uh, you know, one of the things that came up is why don't I go after actors? There are plenty of actors out there who aren't deep. And it's like, yeah. There are some actors who are able to tap into a real emotional depth and create a character that you care about that's complex and there's subtleties. And then there are a lot of just shitty actors that are hired to play shittily written roles in stupid (laughs) movies. And Brendan Fraser. Yeah, look, there's a place for that, too, because most movies that come out are stupid. Brendan Fraser has some darkness. And and, and I think a lot of this, (laughs) yeah, when he played Tarzan... Ugh, if that I didn't love s- Brendan Fraser. If that didn't send him to a dark place, then nothing. Have will. you seen him now? Look him up, Brendan Fraser, twenty twenty. Yikes! Have you seen Dane Cook now? Look him up. That guy had such plastic surgery. Ah! He looks, yeah, nice. Here's the here's no. the problem with that reaction is you you looked him up before we started recording. But I looked at and- it again, and I was just as shocked. <laughs> I got ew. Yeah, he's destroyed Why does himself. he look like this? Um, there was something in there. He just needed to be liked. He needed to know that he could bang. Did he have surgery? No, he didn't have surgery. He needed to know he could bang as many women as possible. And then when his look started to change, which they probably didn't even change for the worse. He, uh, you know what? I think he looks swollen. Yeah, it's perpetually swollen. Mm-mm. But anyway, Frasier. I haven't... Okay, I'll look him up. That's not the point I I was trying to make. A lot of stuff that is produced and put out there, I guess, is meaningless and stupid Uh and shallow and vapid. And, yeah, there he is. He's fine. He got older. He got fatter. He thinks of Tarzan. Balder. He thinks of having to play that role. And uh, I loved him in that bedazzled movie. (laughs) Encino Man. It's crushing and soul breaking. You think so? I think that uh, there are probably plenty of actors who do have talent and are capable and are just stuck getting bad roles. And people look at them and say, that's the dream. I would, And it's just killing them. It's They're dying. Yeah. Like, uh, uh, oh, what's his name? From, we talk about him. Moonstruck. Nicholas Cage? Yes, Nicholas Cage. 
Well, Nicolas Cage had the ability to get good deep roles, and he did, yeah. but he just bought too many castles and had to take everything that came his way to pay the bills. What was that Flaming Skull movie? Ghost Rider. <laughs> Piece of shit. Yeah, but then he did things like Adaptation. Right. Which is great. And The Rock. <laughs> <laughs> I like The Rock. I, did. I saw it with my dad in the theater. I did like The Rock, too. It was the first rated yeah. R movie I ever saw in the theater. Whoa, alone. I wonder if it was the first rated R movie I'd seen, too. We're the same age. It must have been. Yeah, we went in alone. Like, I'd seen someone, I think, before with my dad, but uh, went in with my friend, and somehow we weren't 17, but we still got into The Rock. Nice. Um, Yeah, but there's a lot of shit, right? That's what yeah. I realized. So, you know, I'm trying to separate the things. You ask me, who am I to say what's good and what's bad? And it's like, I just know what I like, and I like emotional depth to things. And you're asking me before the show why I like uh eternal sunshine and the spotless mind or why i like her mm. a lot it's because it hits upon themes of you know struggle and i like i'm a romantic secretly i'm a romantic person i like uh watching movies about relationships where people fall in love because that's a nice thing um i don't like rom-coms because they're dumb mm-hmm. they're surface level there's some problem that's introduced that could be fixed pretty easily if they just had a conversation about it, but yeah. they don't. And then seven months go by and they haven't talked, but they've been. Are moping. you describing when Harry met Sally? No. Why? Because I mean, they get along. They're friends for a long time, but then they sort of they have a fight. If if uh, if uh, you know, Sally would just op- pick up the phone. When Harry called, then they could straighten this whole thing out. Well, there you go. I, I tend to like that one more, though. I think there's at least yeah. a little more depth to that one than a lot of these movies. But, yeah, if you ask me why I like uh, those two movies, mm-hmm. it's because they, I feel like they're complex and they explore themes that I'm interested in. And they require a little more thinking. And uh, you can watch them multiple times and get new things out of them every time you watch them. And that's the, that's just the kind of thing that I like. Uh, yeah. And so, you know, going back to me disliking comedians, which is just a generalized statement, but I tend to not watch much stand up comedy either. People love it with the specials coming out on Netflix. Oh my God. I, get, I, if I watch one, I tend to enjoy it, but I can't get myself in a spot where I want to watch it. Yeah. I don't, in, I don't uh, typically like to watch them like on Netflix. Um, but I would, I do like going to comedy shows. I think that's, you know, you're, you're in the right context for it. It's a little bit different when you're just sitting in your living room, like, all right, now make me laugh. You know, seems like a lot of pressure to put on, I mean, no one, but on yourself, I guess, to, to think this is funny. Well, comedy movies also just straight up comedy. I'm never mm-hmm. that interested in. Naked Be- gun. I mean, Sure, those are also tied to us. I, I don't want to discredit it by saying it's tied to when we were younger, but it was something that was on TV and I was younger and I thought that it was yeah. funny. It's a different style of comedy. It is just dumb. Yeah, I think that's, but maybe I feel like I thought that maybe you would like that um, more than something just saying like, we're a comedy, you know, because Naked Gun is like, this is dumb and it's funny. Not like this is art and it's funny. 
Yeah, and I can appreciate that. Yeah. But I mean, I feel like movies like The Hangover aren't trying to be anything great. People love that. Yeah. And Wedding Crashers, like, oh my God, people shit their pants over it. I know. The only reason why I enjoyed Redding, Wedding Crashers was uh, that tall guy. Vince Vaughn? Yes, Vince Vaughn. He just has like a way about him. I just like. He does. I just like his way. And the other guy is in it with the nose. I know. I don't like him really. Owen, Owen. I I like him too. I both of them on their own. Oh, Owen Wilson. Oh. Even. <laughs> yeah, but I feel like he's making choices that are interesting. Like, all right, that guy's a weirdo, and he's made some of these choices. Remember when he was, he almost like he tried to commit suicide? Yeah. Well, he's in a dark spot too. Yeah, crazy. A lot of these people are. Uh, you know what is a Daniel Day Lewis? I feel like. People make fun of him because he does a movie and he's like, I can't do another movie for five years or whatever it is. (laughs) But I think it's because he actually just throws himself so much into the role that it takes. See, that that bugs me. Now I'm annoyed. That doesn't bug me. If it's a method actor like Jared Leto, who's putting on an act of being a method actor because things are being reported in the news when he was the Joker and he did a ha ha. Oh no, listen to that scary Joker laugh. Ha ha ha. And he would send like dead rats to people uh, uh, off the set because he was playing the Joker in his mind. That's all bullshit. That's an act that's you want people to know. Look how serious. I don't know. Someone like Daniel Day Lewis, I feel like he really does. It's not highly publicized except for. I have to go and be a cobbler in Italy for five years before I accept another role. Whether or not he's pretentious or an asshole, I I don't know. Um, but he's able to get into this oh. place to play these roles in the way they need to be played. And something like Phantom Thread, which a lot of people think was the most boring movie in the world. I loved. It was slow. It was deliberate. The lines were succinct. And there was this fucked up dynamic between the characters that, to me, was interesting to explore. So okay. maybe I'm a snob. Do I sound I'm a snob? This is what it's coming out to be? Is that I'm a snob? I don't know, because I feel also like a snob. So I'm like, yeah, cool. <laughs> I get it. I get having strong opinions based but it, on but I, only the fact that they're your opinions. But I also I understand like a lot of people personality. didn't necessarily like that movie. Maybe it's because uh, maybe there's a reason all this shit exists surface level. Sorry, you had a thought. You're like, oh, oh, oh. Yeah, yeah, because um, you were talking about uh, Jared Leto being method and fucking with his co-stars, and then it made me think of Jim Carrey on the set of Man on the Moon. Is that what it's called? Yeah, where he was Andy Kaufman. Yeah, yeah, where he's Andy Kaufman, and he was being like a real dickhead and like really difficult with the director, and was pretending to be Andy Kaufman, and got really close to Andy Kaufman's like actual family members. Yeah, there was a uh, documentary about him, and he was method acting. Also, he embodied and look, Jim Carrey in general. I don't think is someone I really like. I know I like Eternal Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. That's more Charlie Kaufman, the writer, mm. who uh, writes some really interesting things that I like. And Jim Carrey just had to play a reserved role, so he gets a lot of credit because he wasn't his normal annoying over the top self like my faces and like high energy shut the fuck up i don't want to deal with you today i think because it was such a reserved role it's like whoa jim carrey wow did you see what he did and -hmm. i think it works very well in that movie and some of it may be the contrast of what we're used to with him and seeing him in a completely different way but you know when i well and eternal sunshine is such a mood 
There's such a mood. You you like a very moody movie, and I don't mean it's like moody as in um, depressing or like grumpy or. Well, you know, some of it, some of that can be uh, in there. It can be. No, it can. But what I'm saying, like, it just is such a like. Yeah, it just it when I think of her and I think of Eternal Sunshine, it, it gives me this like feeling in my chest that is very heavy, and feels. Like both heavy and light at the same time. <laughs> well, because no, that? because look, it explores the human condition as it pertains to romantic relationships, and these yeah. are things that we can all relate to, and it presents them in a way that isn't black and white, right? And it shows all the different shades, the beautiful flaws of well, yeah, uh, it presents interpersonal relationships. It presents things in a very realistic way, and like it's yeah. not always I don't know what to do, and I'm just sometimes people are trying their best, sometimes they're not trying their best, and they're just being assholes. But these are things that all happen, and those are the kind of things I want to see in anything that I consume. Like, at least that's what catches my attention, mm-hmm. and those um, are the things I really take to. Who? What are comedians that you enjoy? just comedian wise like not something that they've moved over into movies or acting or whatever but I can't what's answer a that. stand-up comedian that you like I can't answer that Louis CK I mean Louis CK whatever you think of him now that all that aside he did tap into this vulnerability and Definitely. put there was a there's a deepness to his show that people like the humanness to it mm-hmm. uh you know that was a little more than just cracking some jokes or talking about how he i mean and it, he obviously does masturbate in front of people right but you know some comedians are like i just masturbated three times last night and that's the extent of it and people are like oh he really let me in <laughs> and louis ck would make masturbation jokes but i feel like there was more to it like you get to right. see deeper into really the sadness of his being <laughs> the okay. struggle yeah. Look, anyone who wants to be an entertainer, there's something going on. Like you're looking, you're striving for something, and it's either that what they say is it's either a um, distant father or an over attentive mother. Uh, sure, I don't know if it's always those two things, but usually is. I, I I bet in a lot of the cases you can assign that to it. Um, but you know, us doing the podcast that was one of the things as over attentive mother. Well, there's, there was the <laughs> the struggle was, when am I trying to get out of it? Why do I want to do this? Mm-hmm. And I can pretend to be completely above it, and I wanted to do something for the sake of the art. And, you know, look, when I was doing radio, one of the things that made me most uncomfortable was this idea that when I would meet people and they would come up and they were fans of the, the show at, like, 99X, and they would, I was like, no, 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 don't, I don't deserve any thing from you i'm not anything special and a lot of that was probably overcompensation right because there is part of you that enjoys the fact that people like what you do yeah i felt really awkward about it um before and then i started to realize that because i'm really you know i listen to a lot of podcasts and i've paid money to go see podcasts be recorded live you know and whatever so when people come and meet me then i just try and it's not, it's not an act, but I try and respond the way that I want the podcast uh, uh, hosts to respond if I met them. 
Yeah, so and that really it, helped me figure that out. Because I don't think if I had that, then I'd be like, oh, what? Me? Who cares about me? Whatever. Well, I'm sure I came off as an asshole without meaning to do so because people would, I was like, no, no. And I would dismiss them because I was uncomfortable with the fact right. that. But really, it's a gift they're giving you and it's rude to not accept it. Yeah. And it, it's okay to actually, you know, get into that a little bit. But Yeah, they want to give it to you and but, they want you to appreciate it. But the point is, when I was trying to do the show... <laughs> I wanted to do a good radio show. My, in my mind, like if I can do a show that makes people forget about their shitty lives for even a few seconds, then I'm doing my job properly. And again, not that I'm some enlightened being who is above it. If you're drawn yeah. to doing a show, there's something you're going to get out of it personally. But I also always wanted to strive to do something like the best possible thing I could do within that medium. And, you know, with the podcast, our podcast, I was like, I don't know. What are we just going to go on and talk? How many people just go on and talk? And I didn't know what it was going to turn into. And I think, you know, some of our best shows are what do we have to offer is when we do get open and real about mm-hmm. things. And the shows, you know, I, I think sometimes it's harder to do that. And sometimes that can't be done. And those are the shows I don't feel so great about after we do them. I'm like, yeah, because I feel like that's the one thing that maybe we can offer if we're going to explore this medium how can we best serve it and right. that's you know we could do a highly produced show with with sound effects and <laughs> going you know inside how the science of things and whatever that's not what yeah. we're going to do and a show of just us talking which ultimately is what we do I'm like yeah well who the hell are we but you know if we can if yeah, we can if lean into our dynamic for, yeah, for but, whatever reason but if we can lean into our dynamic and, you know, the relationship that we have and yeah. leverage that and put out some decent stuff, like, I think that's where things can be the best. And that's what I would like to work on doing and perfecting that. And uh, that that way it's not just a show of us talking. And, you know, that this just ties back to the comedian things. Like the ones who are just, I'm just going to go up and give you some boring shit and it's mostly about me because i'm on stage and listen to me and look at me and me 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 it's like hey what about the actual what about comedy what about stand-up why don't you try to perfect that like that 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 there's one answer for it but how can you perfect it for yourself how can you do the best job and i think it's selling you know the the art form short if you're not (laughs) approaching it that way yeah it's hard to know whether someone is not approaching it that way or if they're just not great at it or maybe they're focusing on other things like finding their voice you know and they haven't found it yet yeah and that's know, that's so. that's certainly part of it you gotta give people room to do that yeah i understand i uh think that my favorite comedian reflects very much my personality and it's pete holmes and pete holmes is just a silly silly billy silly labrador <laughs> That's just fun and silly. That's why you named your kid Pete. And that's how much of an influence this guy's had on you. I do love the name Pete. Because of him. That's not because of him. It's not like I didn't know the name Pete before I met. Well, before I saw or knew about Pete Holmes. What? What? So when did you, why did you decide to name Pete Pete? Well. If Pete Holmes didn't exist, would Pete be named Pete? I don't know. I mean, (laughs) I can't answer that, (laughs) but. (laughs) Uh, the name Pete is such a, like, to me, it's just like a real down home, easy, 
nice guy sounded name. Because of Pete you Holmes. Know? Well, it's not like, you know, Theodore. You know, <laughs> like that you know, like that that gives out a lot of information. You know? Theodore. Even if you call him Teddy, you're also projecting some information about like who we expect this kid to be. Yeah. But yeah, Pete. Peter. It's just like, you know. See, I don't know much about Holmes material. It's funny. It's goofy. It's silly. It's fun. <laughs> Um, but what is interesting is that I think in his, I don't know, I don't think in his standup, he does a ton of this kind of thing, but in his personal life, he is very much like a seeker. He's like, you know, interested in spirituality in um, existence and relationships. Like he explores those things on like a very deep level. So he himself is a very deep and introspective and interested person, but his stand up is like just pure joy. <laughs> Maybe he would want to change it at this point, but he can't. Maybe. I don't know if he's doing a ton of, I don't know if he has dates. He Obviously didn't. not right now because of COVID, but you know, I don't know if he was touring, but he would be like a band. Who grew and changed, but, you know, established themselves with a certain sound. And then hmm. if they change. Like, like, a, uh, like Blink-182? Just did, off the top of my head, Blink-182. Did they change? Did Blink-182 change? They are always kind of the same crap. Where are you? <laughs> that song. Yeah. Miss you, miss you. I feel like that was always kind of their, that was right in their wheelhouse, though. No, it was not. No, no, no. They were like, all the small things. They were so silly. They were like the naked band. I don't you know. know like I don't know. Underwear. Were they silly? I feel like that first album, Dude Ranch, was them trying to really be some little punk band. No, but they were silly. They were silly. And well, then that, they I tried don't... to get all smashing pumpkins. Okay. But that's not what I'm thinking necessarily for a band changing its sound. <laughs> we'll be like Jack and Sally. Like you could say Flaming Lips, for example. Well, Flaming Lips Halloween kind of. Halloween on Christmas. Sorry. Flaming Lips kind of just resorted back to what they were. They were kind of weird. And then they had some albums that were a little more mainstream. And then they went back to the weirdness. Uh, that's Yeah, that's why I wasn't mad at it. I was like, I don't enjoy this new Flaming Lips. But that makes sense because that's how... They used to be, but so this isn't new. Shouldn't a band be able to, to change? And like, all right, one hundred percent. But then people get angry, and then the sales are down. So maybe that's what's happening with Pete Holmes. Maybe he got curious about himself and existence, and he explored. And now on stage, he's still got to do the the goofy act. No, because... but you can be both. You can enjoy both. That's what it being a whole human being is: is being at one in one moment a very deep, introspective person, and then the other moment, you know. Pretending to be, you know, a dragon <laughs> roaring around being goofy. This is me. I'm describing me. You are. I do feel like that is me. I want to talk and think about things like that, but I also want to just like have fun. I'm learning a lot. You are. <laughs> You're welcome. That's what you, since one act like a dragon. I want both. Just, I want it all. Just. I don't want to be the person who can't have those deep, meaningful, you know. I feel like it's a strange thing, though, when you're putting yourself out there like that in any form. 
mm-hmm. to not actually want to be. I'm not saying this is not about Pete Holmes. I don't know anything about him, and it sounds like it probably is who he is. But you're saying that you can have both, like in general, if you're one person away from what you're doing, like on stage or whatever you're putting out there, and then you have to be something else. It's completely different. I I don't see. I, I feel like that would be awful. It's both. You're both. You're you're this. You're a silly Billy off. I'm not talking about him. Get him out of your mind. This isn't going All after right. him. I'm just saying in general that I feel like it would be if if most people aren't going to be both and if they want to do something where they really put themselves out there, you would think that they would want to be true to themselves. And maybe that's why a lot of people who are entertainers ultimately aren't happy because they're out there and they're still acting. They're, mm. they're acting in their personal lives and then they're acting on <laughs> on stage unless you're an actor and that's your job. But you know what I mean? No, I, I know what you mean. I mean, even even Eric talks about how like he doesn't want to do things because he feels like he has to put on the Eric show. You know, and you're like, no, you don't. You're just coming like to my house. You know, like you don't have to put on any kind of, you know what I mean? But he feels some weird pressure to like be a certain way. So maybe that's what other that's what like comedians think too. Well, like I have to be a certain way. Yeah, why well, would think about a lot of times that people have to act enough in their own lives that getting on stage would be the cathartic part. It's like I can actually be myself for once. Mm. So maybe you'd actually want to put it all out there. Well, maybe that's the comedian you like. And then you end up uh, not getting the fulfillment you need, and you go have some drinks with your friends. And when you're sitting around and everyone's just trying to talk, you go zing, zing, zing. <laughs> <laughs> Winning. And if you had a an impression, I'm sure you'd throw it out to that point My too. My wife. <laughs> throw your impression out there now. Ah, okay, great, wonderful. Anyway, so there you go. I think we've established that I'm a snob. I guess. Mm. I just I just want more from my entertainment. You're not a snob. I don't think you're a snob. I just want some depth. Yeah. Something I can relate to. Something that's real and authentic. To okay. the human and condition. And that's cool. That's a cool thing to want. I think that's a cool thing to want. Well, it's hard to find. So maybe I'll just go watch Homeward Bound. Oh. We can all relate what's, to that. What's the What's the one with the the dog and the cat and the, Milo and Otis? <laughs> yeah, maybe that. Yeah. All right. Thanks for listening to One Topic. Like and subscribe. Rate and review iTunes and all the ways that you can do that. Please support our sponsor, HoffandPepper.com. They'll give away a free little mini bottle of hot sauce anywhere in the country with any order. You can use our code ONETOPIC15. Please do that. Love you. Okay, bye. Bye. Bye, 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 bye. Greg. Hey, Autumn. Do you like hot sauce? You know, I do like hot sauce, but I'm getting pretty bored of my regular Texas Peter Tabasco. I'm looking for a local sauce without mm. any additives or extracts, a company that uses local peppers so it's as fresh as possible, and a company that really cares about the integrity of the sauce and where their ingredients come from. Definitely. And hey, while we're at it, I don't want a sauce with too many ingredients. Mm -mm. You know, a lot of other sauces out there, they have all kinds of fillers. So I'd love to find a sauce with, I don't know, 
what, let's say no more than five ingredients. I mean, it's crazy, but there's gotta be a company out there that hand processes their sauce. You know, bottling and labeling every bottle themselves. I'm probably asking a lot. Well, you really are, but there is a hot sauce out there who only uses five ingredients, what? zero fillers, huh? additives, or extracts, and who bottles, labels, and packages everything themselves. It's called Hoff Sauce. What? They're a small batch hot sauce company out of Chattanooga, Tennessee, that's won best Louisiana style sauce in the country. How many times? Not once, not twice, three times. Three times! How does that sound, Greg? I think that sounds amazing. You know how you can get your own bottle of no, hot sauce? No, no, tell me please now. Hoffandpepper.com. And not only am I giving you the gift of the best hot sauce that you'll ever taste, I'm gonna give you 15% off if you use the code one topic 15 Hold on, that's... Yes, get a pen and paper. One topic 15. Good, that's O-N-E-T-O-P-I-C-1-5. All squished together at checkout. You'll get 15% off your order and your life will be better. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs>